the amount of technology that's coming out is exponentially increasing. The amount of attention that we that we have is is the same is stagnant. It's not increasing, right? So it's it's so important for us to guard our attention, to improve the quality of our minds, and to to boost our concentration in order to combat this onset of technology and live a present and fulfilling life because that's the goal. Hello and welcome to the Breathe and Think Better podcast. My name is Danny and I'll be your co-host alongside my good friend, Jake. On this show, we explore techniques and protocols that are proven to improve our mental and physical health, like meditation, breathwork, mindfulness, and more. We also bring on guests who have expertise in a wide range of wellness topics and protocols. And finally, we explore the stories of people throughout history who have used the power of their minds and breath to overcome adversity and accomplish amazing feats. So join us on this exploration of the human experience as we find out what it means to breathe and think better. Today, Jake and I are discussing meditation and technology. We talk about technology and its effects on our attention, the role of meditation apps and wearables on our practice, transcendental meditation, phone addiction, the future of mindfulness, and much more. Before we hop into the conversation, I want to take a minute to thank our sponsors. This episode of the Breathe and Think Better podcast is sponsored by Headspace. Through science-backed meditation and mindfulness tools, Headspace helps you create life-changing habits to support your mental health and find a healthier, happier you. The Headspace app has hundreds of hours of guided meditation and mindfulness exercises that have been proven to reduce stress by 14% in just 10 days. Right now, listeners to the Breathe and Think Better podcast can get access to two free weeks of the Headspace app, as well as discounted monthly and yearly rates by visiting the link in our show notes. Every time one of our listeners signs up for Headspace, even just a free trial, it helps support this show. Find more joy, less stress, and the best sleep ever with Headspace. Visit the show notes to download the app and start meditating today. This episode of the podcast is also sponsored by Apollo Neuro. The Apollo is a wearable device that actively improves your mood. Utilizing low-frequency sounds felt as gentle vibrations, the Apollo wearable was developed by neuroscientists and physicians to promote better sleep, relaxation, and focus. Consistent users experience up to 40% less stress and up to 25% more focus and concentration. I'm wearing my Apollo Neuro wearable right now, and it's set to the focus mode, and I have to say, I feel really dialed in. Right now, listeners to our podcast can get 10% off the Apollo Neuro wearable by visiting the link in our show notes. Take control of how you feel. Visit the show notes and try the Apollo Neuro wearable today. If you enjoy our podcast and you want more, please subscribe to our Substack by visiting the link in our show notes. By becoming a free subscriber, you'll get notified every time we publish a podcast, a YouTube video, or article. If you want to take it a step further and become a paid member, you'll gain access to an entire library of breathwork and meditation exercises, as well as new exercises uploaded every single week. Visit the show notes and sign up for our Substack today. One more shout out to our sponsors. Let's hop right into today's conversation. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. Thanks for dropping in. We really appreciate your time and attention, our two most valuable things. Time and attention, they are our two most valuable things. And it's funny how attention was something that I never realized was so valuable until like five years ago. Yeah, until 
it started to be dragged into all these different places until until I felt like my attention was was kind of like a uh, a non renewable resource. I was like running out of it. Yeah, it dawned on me when I tried to sit down and read a book about five years ago, and I just could not read more than a page without being completely lost in thought. Yeah, you you've talked about that before, and I've I've tried to think of like what my aha moment was, like when I when I realized like oh man, like I need to improve my attention. And honestly, I, it's every day I get reminded of it now. Usually when I'm on my phone, and that's that's what we're gonna we're gonna talk about that in today's show. How technology and meditation are related, how the technology is kind of affecting us, and and why we need meditation now more than ever. So I was at a business conference. Over the weekend, last weekend, it was called VCon. I'm a V Friends holder. Shout out to any V Friends in the crowd. And I was listening to the founder of ChatGPT, mm. and it wasn't actually him, but it was it was someone in the same field, the same AI field. And he had he said something that was so profound. He said, "Either we're going into a world where either computers are going to tell you what to do, or you're going to tell computers what to do." Wow. Wow, I like that a lot. And I thought that was fascinating because now with the rise of AI, there's a new field called prompt engineering. And this is something that Danny and I have tasted just through one of our friends creating an AI model where he reached out to us and say, hey, I'm creating this video AI model. What would you ask the model? It's one of those things too where this is, it's totally new for us. And like, I feel this like aversion at, well, I felt this aversion at first to like dive into it. Cause I was like, oh, I don't want to learn like this new thing. And like, I don't want more technology in my life. But the more that we've kind of learned about it and played around with it, the more we've realized that we can actually, we can use this in order to use technology less because there's AI creates all these shortcuts that we can use, especially in the work that Jake and I do. We make all these videos for you guys and we can use AI to help us with that and actually allow us to spend less time behind the screens by learning this new technology. The best example I have of how I recently used AI was we're hiring a video editor, a video editing intern. And we came up with the idea and I wanted to make a Craigslist post. And typically it's like, okay, you know, I need to write out a first draft and make a Craigslist post. And all I did was open up AI and say, write me a Craigslist post for hiring a video editing intern for my company, Blue Door Media. And it just <laughs> completely completed a first draft of a Craigslist post. It was so perfect. All I did was edit it and add my special touch. That post was live from idea to creation in 30 minutes. And I love the utility of that. And I love the time saving of that. The thing that makes me a little nervous sometimes with the AI is like, if we rely, like how much do we end up relying on it? And then how much do we do the skills that we've cultivated degrade because of it? So like, you know, you can write an article about meditation or you can type a two sentence prompt and have AI write your article. And it's like, I get nervous that, you know, as, as a writer, as a content creator, as, as a, as a teacher, all of these things, like, like where's the line when I start to lose those skills because I'm delegating them to a computer. Yeah, I mean, it's it's almost like, you know, think about learning math in school. And it's like, you know, 
I, I can't do complicated math problems off the top of my head. I was actually really good at math in school, but now it's like I just open up the calculator on my phone and I, I have my phone on me wherever I go. And so I don't really need those math. I need basic math skills, but I don't need those more complex math skills that we were learning in like the eighth grade. Yeah, that's a, that's a good analogy. And there's definitely, especially when it comes down to like editing videos or something like, you know, you, it's a skill set that you develop, but at a point there's diminishing returns to how much attention you have to sink into doing something relatively simple that a computer can, can replace and do where you're not really losing any of those skills. You know, you're not losing like your language arts skills and your, your ability to communicate and things like that. So it, it definitely, it's, it's like a fine line between, you know, giving us more ability to utilize our time and attention, but then also kind of like diminishing the skills that we spend so much time building up as humans. Yeah. I mean, the frightening part is, is now we need to learn new skills. Like we, we need to learn how to use the AI and how to implement it into our lives. Otherwise you fall behind. And I mean, so we've kind of gone off on this tangent about AI, but it fits perfectly in today's topic where we're talking about meditation and technology. And, you know, we're, we're going to talk about how meditation and technology work together and how they're kind of separately working and how we actually need meditation and other techniques now more than ever because of how technology affects our attention and our concentration and our ability to communicate, our ability to be empathetic, our ability to be compassionate. Like all of these things are, are brand new. This is a whole new world that we're living in right now. Now, we've never had the amount of technology we have up to this point ever in the history of, of mankind, humankind. So, so that's kind of what we're talking about today and, and how that all kind of fits into our, our world of, of meditation and breath work and things that we, that we like to talk about. Yep, yep. And I just wanted to address a question from our TikTok Live. And the question is, I have extreme tightness in my lungs when I go to take a breath and I went to the doctor and the doctor told me that everything's fine. And so I just wanted to give you just a, a super simple protocol for this extreme tightness, a simple box breathing exercise. Inhale to the count of four, suspend your breath to the count of four, exhale to the count of four, suspend your breath to the count of four. Five minute timer. If you type in box breathing exercise, Blue Door Media, you can find a free exercise on the internet. Just wanted to give you that there before we move on. I'll follow that up real quick, just because this is something that Jake and I has affected us both. And when I went through my period of anxiety, in my early 20s, that was the number one thing was this tightness of chest. And another thing that can help is an exercise we talk about all the time, the physiological sigh or the sigh of relief. And it can help because when we get anxious or stressed, we have these air sacs in our lungs and they actually can collapse. And when you do the physiological sigh, it reinflates them and that can alleviate the tightness in your chest. And it's very simple to double inhale through the nose. The second inhale is kind of forcing it full and then a long extended exhale, completely emptying out the mouth. You can do that as many times as you would like. I usually tell people at least five times, but you can do that up to five, 10 minutes, no problem. Doing it longer than that can sometimes make you feel a little lightheaded just because we're not used to breathing in that extended pattern, but it's completely safe and, and that might be able to help you. Thank you so much for that question. Yeah, and that is a science-backed protocol. There is a mechanism built into our physiology that it, it happens naturally. If, if you think about it, for example, think about solving a problem and just being like, 
Like your body does it naturally, like after you solve a problem. So you can actually do it before the problem arises. You can actually do these exercises. If you were to be a fly on the wall in our office, you would just hear sighing all day. We're just constantly sighing, sometimes consciously, sometimes unconsciously, but we're, we're sighing all the time at Blue Door. Yeah, because we're, we're working on screens all the time and, and we're, we're getting hyper-focused on, you know, creating our content, creating our exercises and we're, we're zoned in. And then all of a sudden, like even we forget to breathe. <laughs> they call it screen apnea. And it's a real thing. If you, uh, if you kind of are mindful of your breath as you're responding to emails or doing something behind the screen, you'll notice that every once in a while you're <gasps> taking a deep breath because we have this technology apnea, this screen apnea. So it's, it's very interesting. Interesting indeed. So, uh, on to Danny, what's what's the next subject that we're talking about here? So, you know, this whole podcast is about meditation and technology. We've talked a little bit about AI and at the beginning of the podcast and just talking a little bit about how our attention has been kind of dragged all over the place through the onset of technology we have in our lives. I want to take a, a few minutes and talk about meditation apps because a lot of people find them to be like counterintuitive. It's like when you're meditating, you want to be, you know, present with no distraction, but an app obviously lives on your phone. So it's like, how do you, like, do you find benefit in it? Jake and I have a lot of experience with meditation apps. So I, I just kind of wanted to go over like what we think about it and then give you guys like some tips if you are interested in using your phone for meditation. So Jake, why don't you share your experience with like a meditation app and like how do you find it distracting or do you find it useful? What do you think? Well, I use the Sam Harris waking up app on a, on a regular basis and the app is great. You can you can try. We can put a thirty day free trial of the app uh, in in our bio. Um, it's absolutely unsponsored. There's no we have no affiliate connection with Sam Harris and the Waking Up app. We're just huge fans of the app because I know Danny and I have gone through the entire introductory course on meditation in the app, which is one of the best introductory courses you can take, in my opinion. I've actually done the introductory course like three times over the past three or four years just because I want refresh refreshers. You know, once you get so far along in a practice, you need to bring yourself back to as to what are the basics again? There's philosophy in the app. They, they do theory and practice, and they break it down really nicely. Um, I mean, just, just this morning, my girlfriend and I, we did a yoga nidra in the waking up app to this beautiful Australian Buddhist nun named Jayasara. I, uh, I have to echo Jake's sentiments with waking up. I'm a, a gigantic fan. And uh, I will also put a quick plug in for Headspace. Headspace is a great app to use as well. We are affiliated with Headspace. So we, we do receive commission when people use the link in the show notes to sign up. But we're an affiliate because we believe in it. We, we love their product. And I think that meditation apps offer a huge benefit because you can read a lot of literature on meditation. If you're really lucky, you can find an in-person teacher. And I think that that would, if you have that opportunity, do that. That's the best. But in my opinion, doing a guided practice, especially at the beginning, is way more beneficial than just trying to figure it out on your own. And that's why I think this, this innovation of these apps that can help you learn meditation are hugely valuable. The downside is 
it's on your phone, right? So it's just, you have to be mindful of how you're using your phone. I always, I can't remember where I heard this. Maybe you can remember, Jay, because you might have told me this quote. But it's like every time you pick up your phone, it's are you using your phone or is your phone using you? And I think about that all the time. So when I pick up my phone to use one of those meditation apps, I'm using it, right? I'm using it as a tool, as a utility. I go into the app. I don't let myself become distracted. So I think it's just like having that mindset while using the phone for for something that's good. Well, that was one of the earliest reasons why I got into meditation. Uh, About nine years ago, I started posting to social media and I wanted to make it my job. And then about three, four years into that journey, I was just completely addicted to social media, and I knew I was addicted because I would pick up my phone, go on social media, get dragged down a scrolling rabbit hole, and then I would close my phone, turn it off, and then I would open my phone back up unconsciously and go back into the app. And I'd be like, what the heck am I doing? And I would catch myself doing it. And I was just unconsciously clicking into the app. And then whenever I had a red notification, I would just be dragged to that red notification. Like that red notification was becoming more important than what was happening right in front of me. And, you know, fortunately for me, I just became aware of that because a lot of us aren't aware of that. And, And just know that if you are aware of that, that's the first step of this process. That's the first step of this journey. Understanding that your attention is fragmented, understanding the value of your attention, and then working to build it back up. Well said. So just to recap, uh, the way that we view meditation apps, we're big fans of them. We use them every day, but the caveat is you have to use them mindfully and know that when you're you know, going to your phone, that's what you're using it for. Use it as a tool and don't be dragged in by the notifications like uh, like we all are sometimes, but just, just using it mindfully. And again, if you want to try the Waking Up app, or Headspace, check the show notes of this episode, and you can check out both of those as well. There's some special offers in there for you. I mean, I can't stre- stress that enough. It is Learning from a teacher in the beginning is super important, and, and going into it with a sense of humor, because once you start hearing all the... the <laughs> hearing all the thoughts going through your mind, you have to go in with a sense of humor because it, it, the human experience really is just sometimes just extremely humorous. I, I tell people, you know, when you start a meditation practice, number one, it's not easy. So be gentle with yourself, be kind with yourself. And like Jake said, go in, you know, with a sense of humor. It, that's really helpful. But it's also like you can't go in with any expectation because it's, it's such a vastly different experience than almost anything else we do in life. You can't compare it to anything. And, you know, I've had a lot of my friends who sit down to meditate and, you know, they try it once and they're like, oh, you know, my my mind was going crazy and and I just couldn't do it. And I'm thinking to myself, like, that happens to all of us. Like our Jake and I meditate every day for years. We still go through that. It's just you you get to a point where you become used to it and you just go, okay, you know, the mind's going to bing, 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 like jump around for a little bit like a, like a jumping bean. You know, that's why they call it the monkey mind. It's jumping around like a monkey. But eventually it will settle down and then you're able to gain those insights or, you know, cultivate that compassion or concentration, whatever is your intention going in. So it's important not to have any expectations. Very important to have an intention. Yeah, that's right. Because what happens is when you set an intention, let's say your intention is to cultivate a peace of mind. And if you want to cultivate a peace of mind, uh, your mind follows your body. So for example, if you want to 
cultivate a peace of mind, a still mind, what you want to do in your meditation practice is you want to still your body. You want to do this in such a way where you don't move, but you consciously relax your body at the same time. So you're staying still, but you're consciously relaxing. And you'll notice that when you're able to still your body, it takes a few minutes, your mind will follow. And I just want to uh, I just want to give everyone who's who's maybe you know hopping into this conversation midway. We're talking about meditation and technology, and we've shared our personal experiences using mindfulness apps. We talked a little bit about AI at the beginning, and I think that's something we're going to come back to at the end of the podcast when we talk about the future of meditation, which is going to be a really interesting part. So I want to talk a little bit now about some of the wearable technologies that are coming out. So this is really cutting edge stuff. A lot of this stuff is brand and new. And Jake and I have been exposed to a little bit of it. We're fortunate to have partnered with a couple of these companies early. And so we've gotten to test some of this equipment. And um, it's really interesting combining like a wearable technology with a meditation practice because meditation is thousands of years old and you don't need any of these, these technologies to meditate. But what's interesting is that we now have access to them and they're kind of unlocking some new possibilities with meditation and allowing us to gain more information and insight into like our biometrics, the way our brain works, the way our bodies work. And I find it really fascinating. But again, just like the AI, I'm a little hesitant to use some of the stuff. I have this like aversion feeling towards it because it feels so wrong to combine wearable technology and my, you know, my very important practice of meditation. What, what do you think about mixing that stuff? Well, I mean, it's a little bit of a paradox because, you know, the purpose of meditation is to stay present with an open mind. And when you wear the technology, you are connecting it to your phone and you're collecting data on the present moment, which you're, you know, you're going to go back to and, and look at the data and then you're going to inherently judge that moment, <laughs> which is like the opposite of, you know, a meditative mindset, you know, a meditative mindset is an open, loving awareness to whatever it is that's happening, whether it's an expansion of joy or a contraction of anger, whatever it is. And so it's a bit of a paradox. It's tough for me, like these companies have been sending us the products and like <laughs> it takes a while for me to just open the products because <laughs> I'm like, I don't like, I don't want to do this, I know it's good for me and I know it will provide helpful data and especially being a sort of, you know, quote unquote influencer in the space because we do advocate for breath work and meditation. I do want to record my data so I can show people the actual proof rather than just hearing my opinions on it. And so, you know, that's, I'm, I'm torn. It's, it's like, it's like anything, you know, anything new, it's a little bit scary, but it's also, you know, a little bit exciting. I feel the same way. And I think that I'm opt, I'm a little optimistic about some of these products because my, I think our ultimate goal is to get people to meditate right at a baseline. That's what we pride ourselves on doing is getting people to meditate, to do breath work, to do these, try these exercises. And I think some of these wearable technologies will influence more people to try the practice because people are used to technology. They're used to wearable stuff like that. And I think that, you know, ultimately that will help us with our, with our goal, which is to get people to meditate. So Again, just like Jake said, it's kind of a paradox. 
um, we'll give let's give some a little bit of information on um, on the things that that we're affiliated with and that we have access to, and we can give you guys some some cool deals on. So one of them is called the Apollo Neuro Wearable. Um, it's a bracelet that you wear, and it gives off these low frequency sound vibration or sound sorry low frequency sounds that you feel as vibrations. So it sits on your wrist and it gently pulsates. And they, it hooks up to an app and you can like check which mood you want. Like, do you want to be energized? Do you want to be relaxed? Whatever. And then it will gently pulse. And I really like the Apollo Neuro Wearable. We are affiliated with them. Shout out to Apollo. You can get um, a nice sweet discount if you visit the show notes. But again, it's, it's not a product that is necessarily like helping you meditate, but it can help you kind of control how you feel. So I've seen a lot of people on our TikTok and on our Instagram today talking about anxiety, talking about stress. This product helps me with my anxiety. So I think there's there's immense value in that. How much do I really want technology to to be encroaching on my meditation practice and and vice versa? You know, I it's just it's a paradox. Yeah, and I'm gonna be completely honest, I haven't used mine that much. Um, just because I don't wear any jewelry or anything. Um, I'm not like no tattoos, no low maintenance, you know, I'm, I'm Lebanese, so I'm already hairy enough and I need to maintain (laughs) that. Um, and so I, I haven't worn mine that much, but there is a clip on that I am excited to use and it has been sitting, sitting on my desk and I am going to use it. Um, cause it comes with a, a, like a watch type wearable that you can put around the wrist or you can put around your ankle, which, you know, sort of looks like an ankle bracelet when you put it around your ankle. So, you know, probably want to go with the wrist. Um, but there is a clip that goes on the the shirt and I always clip pens and everything to my shirt so I can totally see myself using the clip. So in a, in a future show, I will have more feedback on the Apollo Neuro, Neuro wearable. If you want more information on that, check the show notes. We have a whole write-up, and you can get a sweet discount and, uh, and help support our podcast, which is awesome. We would appreciate that. Really quickly, we're not going to spend too much time on this, but we did just recently partner with a company called Muse, and they make a headband that you wear while you meditate that actually measures your brain waves and also your heart rate and your breathing rate. Now, full disclosure, we have not had a lot of time to use this. We just received it in the mail. I've only done one meditation session with it, but I like it, and I and I think that I'm going to find a way to incorporate in my practice. But like I said, we just haven't had enough time. If you want to check that out, get some more information and get a sweet discount as well, that link will be in the show notes for you as well. But for now, Jake and I tend to just use the phone as our main technology integration for our meditation practice. But who knows what the future will hold? Yeah, and I I used uh, Danny's Muse one time and I did a Yoga Nidra with it. Huge fan of the Yoga Nidras. Um, I just historically have never been a great sleeper. I have a lot of energy since I learned how to meditate. Oftentimes I go to sleep and I'm just like meditating for (laughs) the night. (laughs) Like I'm a very light sleeper. And so I do, I practice, you know, yoga nidras throughout the day where I'll, I'll do, I'll do an exercise or something and then I'll just lay down and, and just breathe for 20 minutes. And I did wear the muse and I have to say it was comfortable around my head. I have a bit smaller head than Danny. I know Danny needs like a bigger headband than the one that comes with the muse. I have a huge head. And then, (laughs) and he's got a lot of hair. (laughs) (laughs) So I did use the muse and it was super comfortable for my head. It did record my brain waves, but I need to use it more to compare uh, where my brain waves were because I've only used it once. And so I'm excited to see 
how my brain works over time. Yeah, we'll have some videos coming out uh, in the next few months about the Muse, talking about our experience with it, talking about how to use it, and and still offering you guys some sweet discounts and chances to support our show and our pages, which we really appreciate. So I want to use that as a segue to, to talk about our next topic, which is kind of this like ethical consideration, like how much should we rely on technology when it comes to meditation, and how can we maintain that balance. So I'll speak to this for, for a minute and then let's hear what Jake has to say. But so I think that, like I said, we like the apps. We love using Waking Up. We love using Headspace. Those are great apps. But I also want to have a non-reliance practice. So I also want to be practicing without guidance, without any technology. So I, for me, I tend to find that in the morning, I love a guided meditation, even in the afternoon, if I need one as well. But then in the evening, I like to just take some time and follow the breath, just do a very basic mindfulness meditation, where I'm following my breath, redirecting the attention back to the breath when it wanders. And for me, that helps maintain that balance. So I'm not completely relying on technology from a meditation practice. If I were to end up on a deserted island tomorrow, I would still be able to meditate every day comfortably, but I would still miss, you know, the voices that I've become accustomed to in my guidance. So I think it's important to, to draw a balance. I guess the way that I use technology to meditate is if I'm meditating with a friend, it's really nice to use an app. Mm -hmm. Like when Danny and I meditate together, we always use an app Mm -hmm. and that's great. When I meditate with my girlfriend, we use an app. When I am practicing alone, typically I'm not using any technology. And that's a relatively new thing. Like in the first couple of years, I'd always use a, a, a guide. Same. But over the last couple of years where I've gotten more into just the, the patterns have started to repeat themselves. And so I know the things that I need to do in order to have a good meditation practice. And I can kind of gauge where my breath is and where my mindfulness level is. And it's really all based on the levels of mental chatter that's going on in my head, the feelings of emotions that I'm having, my overall energy levels and how well I slept. So for example, if I wake up in the morning and I'm beautifully rested, then what I want to do is I want to get super still and I want to observe the coming and going of my breath and just be the observer of my thoughts because it acts as a really good way to just reflect and allow myself to just get grounded into the moment so I can just go throughout the day just super calm and super alert. But let's say if I wake up and I didn't get that much rest, I'm going to do a rhythmic breathing exercise where my inhales are a little bit longer than my exhales because that's going to give me energy. That's going to oxygenate my body and that's going to kind of wake me up. I'll set the intention that I want to create a more alert mindset. And so I'll actually do a rhythmic breathing exercise to kind of energize my body that way. And then at the end of the day, you know, oftentimes I don't want my phone near me. I don't bring my phone into the bedroom. Uh, I usually stop looking at my phone a couple hours before bed. You know, my nightly routine is I like to watch a good movie. You know, I don't want to know what other people are doing at at night. Um, So I definitely, you know, don't want to look at social media and stuff. And so if I need to practice an exercise, so let's say I'm not that tired and and I'll do an exercise like uh, cyclic sighing, 
where I'll breathe in through the nose and out through the mouth in a rhythmic pattern. And I'll do that, you know, 30 times or so. And that will really calm me down. I'll feel nice and relaxed, nice tingly feelings and tingly sensations. And so those are just a couple examples of how I use breath work and, and meditation. That's good advice too. So when you're starting meditation and you're using an app, but you kind of want to, you know, move away from it, try working with the breath, like Jake was saying. So there's, there's all different meditations you can do just focusing on the breath. Another really good external sensation that you can focus on is what you can hear. So I really like in the morning listening to like the birds or like the wind. Uh, my neighbor has a wind chime that's always kind of going. And so like turn, tuning into what you can what you can hear or what you can see, those are really good ways to kind of reduce the reliance on technology in your meditation practice. Uh, so Danny, we have a question live here on TikTok that I want to address. Um, they asked, do you notice any improvements in any area of your daily life since you started meditation? And one thing that the biggest thing in my life is, okay, so I still get angry. I still get upset. I still get sad. I still have all the same emotions that everyone has. But one of the main things in my life that I've noticed since I started meditating is I'm able to let go of that anger so much faster. I'm able to let go of that sadness so much faster because a lot of the times when you get carried away in anger, you just want to act. And the, the first thing that meditation teaches you is, is just, okay, observe what's happening and be calm and be alert. And a lot of times when you're angry, there, let's say someone says something that makes you upset. You're upset in the moment. But then you replay that thing, that, that phrase over and over and over and over again in your mind. And it continuously makes you angry again. Now, when you approach your life in a meditative state, you can actually look at that, which one of the first things that we said earlier, with a sense of humor, where you're like, okay, why am I continually replaying this thing in my head that I don't care about, that I don't want to hear anymore in my head? Like, that's actually, a, there's a little bit of comedy to that. Like, if someone's watching above, they're like, all right, Jake just got stuck with that phrase again. You know, like it's a, there's a little bit of comedy. Like, so it, it, it taught me how to kind of detach myself from those thoughts, from my thoughts, because the reality of the situation is you don't really create all of your thoughts. You know, you can manipulate your thoughts and, and, and there's exercises that you can do. You know, that's why gratitude works, because when you start to write things down that you're grateful for, you're kind of manipulating your thoughts. You're creating a new direction for your thoughts because what you repeat, you remember. And so, you know, that's that's probably the main takeaway. Danny, what would you say? How has meditation changed your daily life? I definitely agree with what you're saying about uh, Sam Harris calls that the half-life of the emotions. He always uses that phrase. So like the half-life of my emotions is much shorter. I'm frustrated for a shorter amount of time. You know, if, if I spill my coffee, I'm still mad. I'm still upset. It lasts for less than half of how long it used to last. So I definitely agree with that. I think for me personally, the thing I noticed the most in my daily life through my meditation practice that has changed is noticing when I am absorbed by a thought. So noticing when I'm not being mindful, when I'm not present, I'm constantly popping out of my thoughts. Like when I'm walking, I'm walking my dog and I notice very quickly when I'm, you know, have, when I've been dragged into a memory or a projection of the future, you know, I'm constantly 
thinking about the future and storytelling and, you know, projecting what's going to happen. You know, where am I going to park when I go to this place later? Like, that's just how my brain works. But I, through my meditation practice, now notice very quickly when that happens. And I can just notice it for what it is or just another thought and just redirect my attention to the present moment. And then that has increased my, my, my levels of happiness, my levels of satisfaction. You know, I'm, I'm never bored because I can just, there's, there's so much happening right in front of you, you know? So it's, that's what I've noticed is my ability to recognize when I'm not being mindful or present and then redirect to become mindful or present. Excellent. Uh, so there's another question that came in on TikTok. What's your thoughts on transcendental meditation. So just to be clear, I haven't gone through a formal transcendental meditation training, but I do understand mantra, mantras and I have worked with mantras and it's all kind of based on the same thing. And so my favorite form of transcendental meditation is not uh, labeled technically as transcendental meditation, but it comes from one of the great meditation teachers, Ram Das. And one exercise that Ram Das taught is using mantras, and the mantra that he uses is, I am loving awareness. I am loving awareness. I am loving awareness. And so that's a mantra that I've adopted in my life. And so sometimes it's really nice using this mantra, repeating this mantra, when my mind is going crazy. Because there's different voices in my head at all times. And uh, a lot of people can recognize this, where there's the angel and there's the devil and then there's the crowd, you know, saying all these things. And, and like, that's my head at all times. Like think about shower thoughts. Like there's one person telling you the, you're the best. And then there's one person telling you you're the worst. And then there's, you know, so-and-so's voice telling you something else that you're remembering. And then you're remembering something from your childhood. And like, there's all these streams and voices coming through and they connect with emotions and they, Something makes you angry and you feel your jaw contract and something makes you happy and you feel your stomach expand and like there's all these things happening. And so I like to use mantras when this is just becoming overwhelming because when you set an intention that you want to be loving awareness, then when you, when you tell yourself you love yourself and then when you repeat it over and over again and you actually start to feel that self-love, that's the alignment that happens. That's the coherence. There's tests going on this uh, that happen with this. Like your brain literally starts to light up when your mind comes into coherence and the connections start to reinforce. And so my experience with transcendental meditation is more along the lines of using mantras. And what I'll do is I'll just sit down and I'll breathe and I'll just repeat in with the voice of my mind, I am loving awareness. I am loving awareness. I am loving awareness until all those other voices just start to calm down until you start to create a little bit of space in between your thoughts. And then I'll just let the mantra go and I'll just exist. Yeah, I feel the same way about transcendental meditation. I've practiced mantra meditations, which that's what transcendental meditation is. Transcendental meditation or TM as they brand it, it's kind of like it kind of feels culty and, and like there's a lot of money in it. Like you can spend a lot of money getting a transcendental meditation teacher. It's just not necessary in my opinion. Like mantra meditations are great and you can practice them 100% for free. You don't need, you know, you don't need to pay someone to give you your phrase to repeat for you. 
if you are interested in doing something like that, sure, go ahead. But I think that everyone can practice mantra meditation on their own. And it's a really powerful meditation because instead of using something like the breath or what you hear as an anchor in the present moment, you're using an actual phrase. And that phrase helps anchor the mind in the present moment. It also gives the mind something to do. So you're able to kind of busy the thinking mind or the monkey mind with that phrase while that allows that creates expansiveness in your in your consciousness where you're actually able to connect with what's happening right now in the present moment so i think that practicing a mantra meditation is is hugely beneficial and there's a there's a bunch of resources free resources out there where you can you know check out some mantras and try one on your own uh, Danny, it looks like you just had a question come in from Instagram. Jack said uh, she was re- referring to when we were talking about our emotions. She said that her uh, her anger scares my anger scares me. My adrenaline or my anxiety takes over, and anything goes. It gets pretty scary. And yeah, it is. We can easily become absorbed by those emotions, and meditation can really, really help with this. So I know uh, I've talked with Jack before. She comes to all my lives. Shout out to Jack. Thank you so much for coming. But but yeah, it's uh it's it's a scary thing when when we kind of lose control and meditation can really help us reduce the the length of those, you know, emotional outbursts and and just gain better control overall. I was listening to a podcast the other day and it was I forget the woman's name, but she's like a renowned scientist at Stanford University and she studies stress. And she made it very clear that our thoughts are the number one indicator of stress. That's just something to become aware of. So first you become aware of that, and then something else to become aware of is that you don't create all your thoughts. Going at it with a sense of equanimity where it doesn't matter what my thoughts are saying today, whether they're good or bad, I'm just going to be right in the middle of that And then the more you practice this, it will start to reinforce this sense of equanimity that you can carry with you throughout your life. Thanks so much for everyone who's joining us on either Instagram or TikTok for the questions. We really appreciate you. Jake, I want to get to this last topic because I think it's going to be really interesting. I want to spend a few minutes talking about future trends in the meditation space. So like, what does meditation look like in 20, 30, 100 years? Like, like what does what does it look like when we have AI involved in teaching us meditation? What does it look like when we have brain computer interfaces like neural links going on like what what is your wildest imagination of what that looks like well i do love this question (laughs) so first of all we all have our own computer in our pocket if you would have told me that 20 years ago i would say what the heck are you talking about i don't even use my computer in my house i don't want a computer in my pocket and so we all have smartphones and computers in our pocket And we all use Google or some type of Safari search engine. And we ask it questions all day long. Now, with the invention of AI, I believe that we're all going to have an AI model in our pocket. And this is going to simplify the things for us. See, we use metaphors in our everyday life to simplify things. If someone says, look up, you look up. You're using the meta up as a metaphor because depending on where you are, up is different. And so there's these standardized metaphors that up just happens to be above 
your eyes. But that's that's still a metaphor of how you go about life. If, if you were to question what you mean by up, you would be the most annoying person to talk to in the world. And you'd be very di- you'd have a very difficult time navigating anywhere if you were to not use the metaphors up as just like, okay, up is relative to me right now above my eyes or whatever. So we're going to be using, because we're getting bombarded with notifications and all this stuff and all this stress, we're going to have our own personal AI model. And that AI model is going to be trained with a meditation technique, a meditation practice that you choose. And so it's going to be up to you to train your AI model. That's going to remind you to be present. That's going to remind you to focus on your breath. The Apollo Neuro Wearable that we were talking about, what it does is it gently vibrates to remind you to be present. We're all going to have that AI model that reminds us to be present, that reminds us to do whatever it is that we need to do. And so that's where I see everything going is I see meditation is going to be just as big, I think even bigger than the fitness industry. I think everyone is going to have a subscription to some type of meditation service, and it's going to be integrated with some type of AI model. And that's all going to be integrated in our lives because we're getting bombarded by notifications and media, and it's nonstop. And we know that stress is the number one killer. Stress is the number one cause of disease. And I would love to see data points on this. This is something that a lot of leading scientists are talking about, where stress is literally, if thoughts can make you sick, thoughts can actually help improve your life too. And And so to have this meditation practice in your life to help handle all of the media and everything, I think is going to be so, so important. I love that. And I, I'm so while you were describing that, I was imagining in my mind, like, you know, what's it going to look like? Like, is it going to be like a little hologram AI that comes up and she, it's just like in a lotus position? And like, it's I, so that that's what I was picturing as you were talking about that. Very interesting to imagine. Um, So I'm going to take it a little bit further into the future. I've been thinking about these like brain implants. So for for those of you that don't know, there are companies testing this stuff right now. One of them is called the Neuralink. And it's basically a computer interface that gets implanted into your brain, where which allows you to instantly, instantaneously connect with the internet and the wealth of human knowledge. So basically, if you, instead of, you know, going on your computer, looking something up on Google, you would be able to think what you would want it to look up and the answer would come to you on some visual interface or I'm not really, really sure. But so imagining that if when we have neural implants, so computers implanted in our brain, I imagine that sometime in the future, you'll be able to choose the brain state that you want and just activate it. Wow. So you're just, so you would basically, can you imagine having a menu and just being like, all right, I want to be calm right now. And then just calm. And I don't necessarily think that this is, it's not necessarily a good thing or a bad thing. I don't know. I'm totally speculating, but I think that we will get there. We will get to the point where we're able to stimulate the brain and induce whatever state we want. So, you know, if you want to be concentrated, boom, plug it right in. Or maybe your AI, you just say, hey, I want to be concentrated and then concentrated. So the way that this would relate to meditation 
is if you wanted to drop in to that meditative state, I really believe at some point in the future, I don't know if it'll be in my lifetime, but you'll be able to actually do that, you know, digitally, just be boom, hit a button, go into a meditative state. And I don't know if that's good or bad, but that's just what I think will end up happening. <laughs> I, I have to say, you know, there, one of the first things that caught our attention, do you remember a couple of years ago, Danny, when we heard the phrase, the breath is the remote control to the mind? Yes, yes. So that, that just takes me back to that phrase and how powerful that is because if you do breathe in a certain way, you actually can put yourself in a certain state of mind. We talk about this all the time with one of our friends and mentors, Joshua Townshend, and uh, it's just that's a very well articulated, Danny. It's going to be interesting, folks, re- regardless of you know where you are in your life's journey. The amount of technology that's coming out is exponentially increasing. The amount of attention that we that we have is is the same is stagnant. It's not increasing, right? So it's it's so important for us to guard our attention, to improve the quality of our minds, and to to boost our concentration in order to combat this onset of technology and live a present and fulfilling life because that's the goal. That is the goal. I just want to Give Penny Power a shout out on TikTok. Thank you for all the love and the gifts. We really appreciate that. We appreciate everyone joining us on Instagram, everyone joining us on TikTok, everyone listening to this as a podcast, uh, watching us on YouTube, wherever you are. We thank you guys very much for joining us for this conversation. We have many more conversations about this stuff coming in the future. But for now, I think it's time to wrap it up. Thank you, everyone. We will see you next time. Thank you so much for listening to the Breathe and Think Better podcast. We really appreciate you. Don't forget to check the show notes of this episode for links to some amazing deals from Headspace, Apollo Neuro, Muse, and more. You'll also find a list of free resources, links to our social media, and an opportunity to join our Substack. We have some really exciting news and more podcasts coming to you soon, so stay tuned.